Welcome to Come Rain or Shine, podcast of the USDA Southwest Climate Hub and the Department of Interior Southwest Climate Adaptation Science Center, or Southwest CASC. I'm Sarah Leroy, Science Communications Coordinator for the Southwest CASC. And I'm Emily Elias, Director of the USDA Southwest Climate Hub. Here we highlight stories to share the most recent advances in climate science, weather and climate adaptation, and innovative practices to support resilient landscapes and communities. We believe that sharing some of the most forward-thinking and creative climate science and adaptation will strengthen our collective ability to respond to even the most challenging impacts of climate change in one of the hottest and driest regions of the world. The Sustainable Southwest Beef Project is a five-year CAP project, or Coordinated Agriculture Project, funded by the National Institute of Food and Agriculture, with the host of diverse partners and collaborators. In a previous episode of Come Rain or Shine, PI and co-PI Dr. Andreas Sebold and Dr. Sherry Spiegel introduced the project and shared its vision and goals. The project's been underway for a little over a year now, and so we're back with Dr. Sibyl for an update on project research and first-year activities. Dr. Sibyl, thanks for joining us. Thank you for the invitation, uh, Emily. It's a pleasure to be here. So I know there have been a lot of exciting activities and accomplishments in the first year, and this is a question I ask of um, other podcasts as well. And so we, before we dive in, i like to ask if you had to pick just one word to describe or sum up the first year of the project, what would it be? I find it hard to, uh, to express ideas in one word, Emily, but, but if I had to say it in one word, I would say that uh, cooperation or collaboration was probably, probably characterized very, very well what happened and what helped us accomplish what we accomplished uh, in this first year. Excellent. Yeah, thanks. Um, I know it's a challenging, it's a big challenge for a lot of people to pick one word or one phrase, but um, I agree. It's been really um, collaborative and cooperative projects so far. Yes. Uh, uh, oh, sorry. I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but, but uh, uh, the fact that we have uh, scientists and educators from so many institutions and different disciplines and that are involved in different uh, sorts of activities from research, education, to extension makes uh, collaboration part of this, well, the opportunities for collaboration are fantastic, but, but makes this the collaboration sort of an essential ingredient here. And I, I think it's, it's happening tremendously well, in my opinion. Perfect. And, and later we're going to ask you some more questions about that collaboration and education piece of it, but I just want to take a step back first. So in this project, there are three strategies that, that are being researched, right? Precision ranching technologies, heritage, heritage cattle genetics, and varying supply chain options. So could you tell us a little bit about each one of these, maybe some progress that's been made so far? Um, why don't we start with the precision ranching technologies strategy? Yes, sure. I'll be happy to do that. I think uh, I think that all teams have made uh, great strides. Uh, just to pro- 
you know, provide context that everybody's aware of. This has been a, a difficult year to launch the project because, of course, because of COVID and all, all of what we know that is happening in relation to COVID. But despite all of that, I think we've, we've managed to uh, find a way to keep things moving forward. And so, so specifically on the precision ranching side of things, the learning curve this year was fairly steep because we set out to set up and pilot and test a new system uh, that involves setting up a network that can capture data in real time and send it to the cloud and then be able to see that data on a, on a dashboard. And, and we were able to do it fairly successfully at NMSU College Ranch that is basically one of the five of our five research sites uh, for both well, for all of the three aspects of the research, really, but for the precision ranching and the breed comparison, in particular, these these uh, three sites are places where we're going to test this. And, and so we, we learned a lot. Of course, year number one in any project of this magnitude involves hiring graduate students and postdocs and, uh, and different sorts of staff and so on. And so that was a lot of what we did this year as well. And we were lucky to hire outstanding people, I think, that are helping us, helping us move things along uh, really well. The other thing uh, that, that, that I really like about uh, our team is that we have a pretty uh, active, dynamic uh, collaboration and communication with, with ranchers, with producers. And so they are an essential part in, in the precision ranching a pilot test that we did uh, for approximately three months here at the at the college ranch. Uh, Andrew Cox, the ranch manager, was was a, a vital uh, team member because he was testing the system for us in real time, instead of telling us, you know, this is useful, this isn't useful. I used it. I used the system to find a cow that had been hit by a truck, and I was able to go and find it right away. These these sorts of things that are valuable because it allows us to get out of the lab uh, environment and, and sort of test these technologies in sort of the real world. And that's a great story to a great example. Um, what about heritage cattle genetics? Could you tell us a little bit more about that strategy? Yes, absolutely. So the, the, the heritage genetics research uh, component of the, of the grant actually builds on over 10 years of research uh, conducted mostly by scientists at the USARS Permal Experimental Range in, in collaboration with some of us at, at NMSU more recently. And so uh, we, but the one thing that was a bit challenging to do was to get everything set up during the first year to produce uh, crossbred calves from our Creole cows. And so one of the important things that we're hoping to achieve is to basically determine whether a rancher could have a herd of these heritage genetic cows that we hypothesize have a lower environmental footprint than some of our equivalent commercial breeds, but could cross them with improved feed breeds, produce calves that can be sold in the mainstream market uh, for prices similar to the prices that they receive for their commercial beef calves. So the logistics of uh, breeding the cows and having the calves ready this fall to go to the feedlot, to the well, to, to the big pasture and then to the feedlot, and coordinating this not only with 
uh, ranch here, college ranch in New Mexico, but also with two producers, one in California and one in Utah, and to synchronize that so that everybody was breeding, uh, had their breeding programs in such a way that calves would be ready. That, that was required a lot of planning. Dr. Rick Estelle is leading this group and did a fantastic job. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we, we shipped our first cohort of calves, uh, crossbred calves from our heritage genetics and uh, straightbred calves that we're going to compare them to from these three ranches. And all of those calves are now at NMSU's uh, Creighton Livestock uh, Research Center is uh, NMSU feedlot, uh, ready for the next phase. And so we're hoping to, to repeat this three years, setting this up the first year and having the calves in Creighton is, is huge, I think. And so I'm, I'm super proud of that team and, and what they have achieved. That is, that is really amazing. That's a lot of amazing work that, that's going on, and that's only two of the, the strategies, right? So why don't you tell us a little bit more about the last one, the supply chain options? Yes, yes, absolutely. So the supply chain options has shown an incredible amount of flexibility and adaptability as well, because, of course, we were a few months into the project when the coronavirus pandemic hit, and one of the first things that everybody experienced was this disruption of the beef supply chains. And so all of a sudden, uh, our meatpacking plants were closing down and, and people were starting to wonder, well, what's up with our, with our beef supply chain in the United States where, you know, three or four or five big meatpacking plants closed down. All of a sudden, we don't have beef in the supermarkets with the the prices are expensive for the consumer, but there are no, no, the prices, the sale prices for the producer are very low because, because there's no one buying those animals because the packing plants are closed, etc. So that got the supply chain options uh, team led by Dr. Sherry Spiegel, uh, into top gear looking, looking into some of these things, into the brittleness of the, of the supply chain in relation to these sort of unexpected uh, stressors. And so anyhow, that, that was really wonderful. And discussions are queuing and we've had uh, help by our fantastic extension team led by Dr. Elias. Basically, uh, uh, webinars uh, explaining to ranchers what, how to do to market their own beef, you know, in a situation like that. So I often thought, you know, before uh, walking into a, a, a huge project of this magnitude, that, that it would be very hard to, to adapt really quickly to a situation like that, especially when there's such a big team of people that are highly specialized and really, man, I am amazed by what the, this team has done, really. Uh, so, so anyhow, yes. Yeah, so, so building off of that, and I know it's a little bit early in the project, but are there any preliminary findings that you, you could share with us? That, that is a little bit early still. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, but, but no, but I, I, I think we are, we are building at least if we are building the foundation to be able by year five to have findings that hopefully will match what we hope we would find. And, and so just, just an example of that, we are not waiting for that to happen in the sense that we have a team of people, uh, Dr. Chase Spiegel and, and Dr. Andrew Elias and others, John Rogosa, data uh, scientists, 
uh, working on developing our uh, Western Beef Knowledge System. That is uh, an interactive platform that we're hoping to develop to basically make our discoveries available to everybody, uh, basically. And so we still don't have, uh, I think, uh, big results to talk about, but, but I think we're building that. The one, one result that I'm super proud of uh, this year is uh, a lesson plan that was put together by our educators, by the Asombro Institute. And so they also had to adapt to doing distance learning and put together a lesson plan, because I can't remember the name of the but it's uh, Solving the Beat is the name of the lesson plan that they put together. And that's that's an accomplishment. That's a result. That's a fantastic result. And what excites me about that is that went through really rigorous revision as far as the accuracy of the science involved there, but is able to translate some of what we've learned. Of course, this, as I mentioned earlier, our heritage genetics sort of builds on what what has been researched over the last 10 years or so, but, but putting all of this together, develop a really creative activity that is, of course, uh, science and education for children 12 years and older. So I'm proud of that accomplishment. I think uh, the education team is ahead of all of us in that. We're still crunching numbers, I guess. Well, yeah, I agree. So there's the, the research component that um, you just spoke about around precision technologies and uh, heritage cattle and um, supply chain options. But then you also talked about these other project components, the educational efforts, um, solving the beef and that big component of this project. Also, you mentioned the extension team. So I think that word that you used initially, collaborative, is really um, perfect for this, very apropos for this project. And one thing you mentioned, and I'd like to learn a little more about, um, you mentioned this advisory team of ranchers. And I also understand that a professional chef has also joined the advisory team. Can you tell us a little more about that? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So our, our advisory team has uh, ranchers, academics who have experience with previous uh, USDA Mitchell Cap grants. And also, there are also members of uh, rancher organizations or beef organizations, NCBA, for instance, and a chef. Yes, so we have a, a chef from uh, South Dakota uh, who has been is basically the executive chef for a, a, a company that uh, provides the catering to hospitals in uh, across South Dakota, uh, and, and I think probably in Nebraska as well. I'm not not sure. And he, through one of our advisory board uh, members, Cindy Toll, he came to uh, basically know, get to know the Creole beef, will not serve anything else to the uh, patients of these hospitals as beef. So he wants to source uh, the beef or the catering that they do to the hospitals from basically using only Creole beef. And we are very excited to have him on board because, because he provides us the consumer side of the picture. And so our, initially we had our producer and research and sort of the secondary group sort of well uh, represented, but, but we didn't really have 
the consumer end of things well represented in our advisory board, and he does an excellent job of doing that, and is a is an incredible uh, advocate for some of the things we do as well. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks for that. Um, and I also understand that you've had an exciting development of your own. You've accepted a new position with NIFA, the National Institute of Food and Agriculture. So I guess in January, the Sustainable Southwest Food Project will have a new project director? Yes, exactly. So yes, that is correct. I, I will begin working with uh, USDA NIFA on, on February 1st, and, and Dr. Glenn Duff has uh, accepted to step up into the position of project co-principal director, of course, and uh, we are we are very, very lucky that I think to have Glenn in that position, I am uh, very confident, I think we all are very confident, that bodes very well for the, for the future of this project and for uh, continuing with sort of the same collaboration, culture, and enthusiasm that we've had so far. Uh, Glenn is, is currently the superintendent of the Clayton Livestock uh, Research Center. He, he is basically leads the, uh, this research feedlot uh, over there, has a lot of years of experience in, uh, in academia, uh, both as a faculty and as an administrator. And as far as the CAP is concerned, he is a member of both brief comparison team and an active member of the extension team that I've, I've I didn't talk enough about the extension team this morning, but I would say that of the three teams, this is probably the most dynamic teams in the sense that we uh, continually are kept on our toes by our extension team. You know, we we need to, they help us refocus and focus on the information that is needed out there and, and have done a, are doing a fantastic job there. So, so Glenn is, is an active member of one of our most dynamic teams, I would say. And so has a good feel for what the CAP is about and what we're trying to accomplish, what we're trying to achieve. I'm, I'm excited that, uh, that he's accepted. Well, congratulations on your new position. That, that's pretty exciting. Thank you. And so I guess before we wrap up today, is there anything else that you'd like to share? Any final thoughts you have about the project as you prepare to move on? position? Well, I, you know, I look forward from this new position. I don't exactly know what my day-to-day work is going to entail, but I will definitely stay uh, connected to the project uh, in the sense that I will uh, a couple of graduate students that are currently working on the project and, and in my capacity, my, my yeah, capacity as faculty, I will continue to provide them with advising until they get finished up, and I'm sure we will we will stay in touch. And I I expect the sort of great things from this project and from what will come afterwards. Uh, basically, we are already uh, sort of thinking of what will happen after the project. And so I I don't want to take up too much of your time here, but but one of the teams that I forgot to mention today is our. Our evaluation team is a, a fantastic team at Kansas State University, and they are uh, really helping us start to think ahead, start to think of, well, what happens post-CAP? How are we building this? And so from my new position, I, I expect to see great outcomes, but, but also 
what what will come next? What what will happen next? Which I'm sure will be fantastic as well. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. Congratulations on your new position. I think we're all looking forward to seeing some of these research results as the project evolves over the next five years, seeing what does happen next, how this project can really help build some resilience into uh, the southwestern beef system and and what that um, southwestern beef knowledge system that you were talking about is going to look like. So, Thanks so much, and it's been um, just just a pleasure. It's been delightful to work with you so far on this project, and um, we know we'll continue to be in touch. It's, it's hard to believe it's only been one year and that so much has happened, so we'll keep reporting on this as the, the project evolves, and also keep in touch with you. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, and it's a complete privilege, I think, and pleasure to to work on this team. I have learned so much in this year from everyone and, and, and it's been a pleasure to work with you and I do look forward to staying in touch as well. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Come Rain or Shine, podcast of the USDA Southwest Climate Hub and the DOI Southwest Climate Adaptation Science Center. If you liked this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like, or follow for more great episodes. If you want more information, have any questions for the speakers, or would like to offer feedback, please visit climatehubs.usda.gov or swcasc.arizona.edu. Our sincere thanks to USDA Agricultural Research Service the Sustainable Southwest Beef Project, and the U.S. Geological Survey for supporting this podcast. Mm-hmm.